Bam, we're live. God, guys, sorry. Three minutes. Take eight. a deep breath. Ah, thank you. Uh, Alice NYC morning. Yay for good. Oh, is that funny? Hey, good morning. Yeah, good morning to Miss Allison. Good morning. You're in your uh, um, you're in Santa Cruz. Indeed. In your office. Yeah, I need better weather than this, but here we are. Oh, is it not sunny this morning? I ran so quickly yeah, in my office, I didn't even look outside. It's 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 a gray star. Do you expect that this time of year? Yeah. Problem hey, is, it's been doing it all day long for a couple of weeks in and out. We had three great days. We had three great days. Amazing. Right? It's been amazing. Yeah. Even like I would say, even yesterday it got hot. Yeah. Uh, Sevon, um, uh, don't ask Greg about abortions. All right. Perfect. <laughs> it's, off the t- it's off the table. Uh, good morning, Robbie. Oh, good morning, everyone. Good to see everyone. Uh, Bruce Wayne, Greg is back again. Yeah, he is. Uh, Coach Glassman is, um, oh, look at that. Coach Glassman is working on some wads on his whiteboard. Yeah, maybe, huh? Um, uh, yeah, this is the second time. Uh, look at uh, here's another one. Holy shit, Greg's face. Yep, there he is. There's his face. You have a face. Sure enough. Um, you uh, you were telling me the other day that you're thinking about switching, or that you wish you wouldn't have got on the glassboard kick. What yeah, about in your office there. You're okay with all that dusty. I know you're pretty. Uh, uh, fastidious uh clean guy and you like everything to have its order you'd be okay with a chalkboard back there in your in your so so check this out i got okay chalkboards at my place in uh, scottsdale both in the kids school room and in my office and i love them and that kind of started uh at the hq office in scotts valley where we put up the the big uh, uh law school style sliding up chalkboards where i did the the five buckets of death. Yep, yep, yep. And I so enjoyed those chalkboards and the chalk. And I've got a list of advantages of chalk over chalkboards. But it was it was too late. I already had glass boards in offices. I had this one ordered for here. I've got one in the dining room here. I mean, I might be the the godfather of glass boards. And but the chalk's a, the chalk is is better. Advantages uh for shooting, for camera work, there's less glare from the glass. Uh, for camera work, there's better contrast between the chalk and the uh, and the substrate. Believe it or not, um, you don't ruin the marker when you go over another line. So if you take a black dry erase over a red line, you can now get the black on the red, and it's fucked. And you're okay. Be okay. Making, making black and red forever. Uh, you know. Oh, the more colors available. You know, it's a uh, what about it, the hand? Uh, I know you're a big hand guy. You like the way stuff feels in your hands, your texture. You always talk about the way things feel. You're okay with the chalk getting on your hands and the mess and the dust. Not really. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's the cost of educating. <laughs> but it's a, it's, a better, it's a better way. And there's also things you can do, tricks like dotted lines and stuff that can be done with chalk that you can't do with dry erase. So anyways, I ask myself, but look how easy it is to get me triggered. Um. I said to myself, I can't be the only partisan in the chalk versus dry erase debate. You know, why do I care? No one else does. And, you know, I've even got my favorite chalk, right? Yeah. yeah. What was the name? Look at George from the United States Marine Corps says you can also shade with chalk. There you go. There you go. Thank you. It's for George. 
leave it to a Marine to, and they have to do everything in PowerPoint, right? Or in the sand with a stick. But I, I put a chalk versus dry erase into Google and a New York Times article showed up on this book, Do Not Erase. And it's uh, mathematicians and their chalkboards. And so uh, I got it. And uh, truly inspirational, it's an amazing thing. So the glass board you see here behind me, yeah, I've actually I've actually ordered a, a chalkboard to replace it. No shit. Or I'll move it over. I'll do something. But it, and for some reason, this is your chalk of choice. Is that the the, the horror? Yeah. yeah. Hagoromo. Yeah. yeah, Hagoromo. And in fact, in the New York Times article, the Hagoromo chalk is mentioned in the in the uh, in the ah, oh, this stuff's amazing. Silk is mentioned in the uh, uh, second paragraph of the story that chalk nuts and chalkboard nuts are nuts about their Hagoromo chalk. And I can testify. Um, do you have to be introduced into that? Is, is chalkboard work? Um, uh, is, is that a way of thinking? Is that a way of processing? And how do you get into that? If that is like, what is that? What, what is chalkboard work? Like you, you will go into a room by yourself with a chalkboard. Yeah. Like how is the first time you do you remember the first time you did that? Was that awkward? Like, how do you get into that? Do you get what I'm saying? It's like um, to you, maybe it seems secondhand, but to me, it's kind of weird. It's like something I wish I, I had as part of my practice. I don't I don't know the origins of it, even but for I, yourself. Yeah, I had as a kid, I had a dry erase board, a four by eight dry erase with a tray sitting on my dresser, leaning against the wall. Four foot by eight foot. Uh-huh. Your dad bought it for you? He must have. I didn't have any fucking money. Right. And you never knew what it was for? He wasn't like, hey, he wouldn't like write your chores on there or something every morning. He didn't buy it for you in some place. I'm, like sure, you... I'm sure there was more of that than I want to remember. Wow, crazy. And and you and if you, if you had ideas from a young kid, you would just put them up there. Yeah, lists, right? You'd work on them, yeah. Oh, I can see your TV in the um, barely, but I can see your TV in the in the mirror in the background. I can't see what it is. Yeah, I was listening to uh, to uh, some of the uh, uh, testimony of uh, what's his name, a special prosecutor. Oh, Durham. Yeah, yeah. It's really bad. I'm not the testimony, but the information. It's it, it's kind it kind of hurts. It kind of hurts my heart. At 51, I'm still waking up to just the fucking sheer corruptness. Is that guy is, is that guy partisan, Greg? Is that guy uh, uh, Republican <clears throat> or Democrat? What's his deal? Because he says some pretty damning shit about the Clintons. Well, he, you know, do I think he's telling the truth? I do. Um, okay, more at important. This, at this point, though, he's partisan whether he wanted to be or had a bias or not. Meaning the Democrats um, hate him. That's correct. We know people, we know people that were gored, people that were, that, whose friends were all, were all uh, Democrats, were all liberals, who in the course of their professional work spoke truth and got canceled, dissociated, uh, ostracized, pushed out. And it's been it's been a life altering situation. 
uh, politicians, scientists, teachers, just people who were who were who were liberals, but who were like, hey, this doesn't make sense. And then we're pushed out. Correct. In that in that I watched. I don't don't want to I don't want to speak for anyone, but boy, you got a handful of them at Stanford alone on the subject of COVID. Right. And I'd say more about it, but I've these people have come to be somewhere between acquaintances and friends at this point. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell their story, but wow, what a story to be told. Um, not just top scientists in the world, but the top scientists. You know, I don't know if there were, I don't know what a top is. But, me, me, uh, well, I'll give you a metric. Famous for their professional work in the, in the health space. And, and most cited in, in the world, maybe. Oh, yes. Yes. Al- legends. Alive. Legends. Yeah. Legends. Yeah. That said, hey, wait a minute. This doesn't add up. And and uh, in some part, because of the media that would listen to them, they're now on the other side, recognized to be bad guys. It's crazy. And so they're people without a country. And this has happened to New York Times writers, to Stanford professors of medicine, blah, blah, blah. What do you but mean look, by that? People not, without a country. Not, it's not. It's not new here. Um, I mean, this has been, this has been going on for a, for a long while. What What do you mean look, without look a country? Like a, what did I say? Uh, a people without a country. Now they're people without a country. Oh, within Within and without the country, maybe. Right. Globally. Basically, something that their Peter country Gauche. turned on them. Peter Gauche. Mm-hmm. No, the no the. Uh, the uh, intellectual, academic, scientific apparatus turned on him. Peter Gauthier spoke truth to HPV vaccine. He spoke truth to uh, to uh, mammograms. Uh, he spoke the truth about uh, what else? What was the what was the other thing? And he got wiped off of Wikipedia, right? No, he got. Uh, he got removed from the Cochrane board under under bizarre accusations that never panned out to be anything. And he had no less than the likes of John Iannotti saying he's the most important medical researcher in all of Europe. And uh, what's going on here? And boom, he got he got canceled. Psych meds for peds. That's the other thing. He had the audacity to reveal that that psych meds uh, for in pediatrics, in peds and children, uh, gives a significantly increased rate of suicide. Antidepressants cause suicide in teens. And Peter Gauthier points that out, and and life changed for him. That and the mammogram deal, same kind of thing. We all watched that happen. The world watched that happen. And, and the mammogram deal. When he came out to us and we sat with him, I'm like, dude, you. Like I don't know, I don't know why you're still walking around. You mean you're surprised people didn't kill him? The league of forces against you at the point that you've stood up to Bill Gates and his HPV vaccine, announced to the world that the the mammograms uh, annually for people under fifty are doing more harm than good. That was another Gauthier stunt, and he comes he comes armed. He's a PhD MD. He's held some of the most illustrious positions in and outside of industry and academia, uh, co-founder of what the Cochrane uh, collaboration, 
I mean, this guy's a legend, a legend. But he's called BS on too much BS. And the amount of market force behind uh, psych meds and uh, screening, prophylactic screening for every kind of thing you could ever imagine fearing. And uh, it's just, it's, it's the totality of, of market forces against a guy like that is overwhelming. Uh, which brings up this interesting point. Um, he did speak at one of the uh, CFMD L1s, right? CrossFit Medical yep. Level 1s, this guy, uh, Gauthier. He spoke at the at the Derelict Doctors Club at the DDC, which was a better than just an appearance at an, at an L1. The L1. The L1 was satellite to the uh, speaker's event that we did that went on almost as long as, the, as an L1 did. And so... One was going on in one building, as you recall, and the other in the other. And, and right. Peter Gauthier was one of the speakers at the CrossFit Derelict Club. It, uh, so it, I, I had forgotten that. So basically the way Greg had it set up is he would invite doctors. They would take their CrossFit Level 1. And then once they had taken their CrossFit Level 1 at one of these um, medical doctors Level 1s, which was basically just the same as a Level 1, but you did it all with doctors, then you could come back for other events and you didn't take the Level 1, but you heard these speakers that came from around the world. That's correct. And the yeah, formation from that it was came amazing. after we did the first MDL1 at the second one we did. Guys that went to the first one showed up and were being derelicts and interrupting the L1 uh, that was in progress that they were interlopers at. Right, right. So you gave him something to do, listen to speakers. Well, let's bring, let's take, get him over to my house first off, feed him something, and let's get some speakers. And the next thing you know, we got Seafried in the kitchen and Tim Noakes and whoever else we got around. It was a, it was a good parade of folks. It, it's, it's almost like you, you're not a great scientist until you make that journey. Like it, it's almost like you have to make the journey through academia, through all these presuppositions. And then when you come out the other side, like when, when you mentioned Noakes, go from eating so many carbs to give yourself type 2 diabetes to then realize, oh, shit, I've been, I've been going the wrong way. The people that we called Mesperts that we brought through, the Zoe Harcombs, Malcolm Kendricks, uh, uh, Jason Fong, all those people that we had out, Thomas Seafried, they're – they're outstanding in that as researchers, as scientists, as writers, as physicians, um, they know something critical, something vitally important that is also not mainstream. In fact, it's often orthogonal or diametric, you know, very much in opposition to mainstream uh, position, but nonetheless essential in the biological sense of vital to the performance or health of the organism. And, and they're, they seem alone, but they're not, because there are a whole lot of us that know they're right. But the most of us that know that they are right come into one of several camps. One is you, you, there's nothing you can do about it other than maybe in your own life. But there are others that know they're right and are in no position to their own safety or security to say anything. And so what we came to see in these mesperts, and I wrote something to this effect in the foreword to uh, – the redoing of the cholesterol book, um, the anthology. But uh, these folks are marked in both their, their brilliance to know something that others don't, and then their uh, bravery to say something about it where even some of the others that do know won't or feel they can't. 
and this is true clearly of Tim Noakes, of Gary Fetke, of Zoe Harcomb, I, you know, Malcolm Kendrick, Thomas Seafried. Jay Bhattacharya, you throw him in there? For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, he, Jay's an interesting character. Um, a, a brilliant man, a brilliant scientist, uh, uh, economist and a, a physician. And, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to, I want to speak for Jay. I've got a lot of, lot of respect for him and he, he's been right. He's been right. Yeah. O- over Look at, uh, over at Stanford. Of, yeah. Yeah. I, I saw, I, he was at your, um, uh, the last two, uh, BSI events, maybe three. Uh, I've, I've, I've met him, had the honor to meet him over at, uh, just in the audience there. Great guy. It, it's an honor to sit with him and and listen to him and uh, he's he's extremely well read he's uh he, he just about digest anything you give him to read he's a i have an immense respect for for dr Bhattacharya. i saw this um i saw this uh study I don't, I'm, I'm probably gonna misquote it but here we go anyway it was uh they they took um they gave students who are going into college a critical thinking test as they entered college and then they gave it to them again as they left. And the only major that improved their critical thinking were people who were uh, economists, uh, economic majors. And that mm. I find that, I find that interesting, right? Cause they're dealing with numbers and, and theories around numbers and, and how numbers work and how money works. Right. And, and how, how it moves and changes. And uh, this guy is that, right? You said he's a, he's a PhD in economics and an yep. MD. What a combination, yep. right? Yep. The the CrossFit level the cross this um, uh, Molo says um, Greg we missed you at CrossFit Health we had a great meeting you and Sevon at MDL one five years ago so I, I don't mean to shit on anyone or anything but the CrossFit that CrossFit Health can't be that was yours right meaning I always thought of that as kind of your passion project and uh, it was about um, the name was kind of weird because it was CrossFit Health, but one of the mission statements was to show the ills of modern medicine, right? Yeah. Yep. And I think a lot of people interpreted it as, a, as as something different. But it's definitely not that now, right? As far as I know, they don't. That's why you would have all those speakers come simultaneously to show, hey, a lot of the things those speakers did is, hey, this is where medicine lost its way, and this is, you know, this is where science lost its way. Yeah. The the pattern by which the the truth was was uh, uh, withheld or or uh, kept at arm's length. The repression of the truth and the methods of the nonsense science became very familiar to a large group of people that are to this day friends. And so, you know, um, uh, it was easy to make to make uh, good friends of these people. And their stories eventually became very, very familiar and became, you know, what a great thing to see uh, Thomas Seafried meet Malcolm Kendrick, you know, and to be able to do that in your home. But uh, the alliance is a natural one. Think of the kinship. Again, I'm going to go back to people smarter than everyone else and braver than anyone else. I had I had people tell me that, you know, uh, 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 neurologist from Australia that you know, is a friend of ours, who told me that what Gary Fetke went through 
would have destroyed him. The Fetke was well-established, multi-generational kind of physician uh, with a whole lot of money and uh, had the resources, time and, and money to fight this thing. And he says, I would have been destroyed by it. And that's what led Russ Green to offer that you can win a, you can lose a war and win the battles. And it's that marginal cost that's, uh, that's, that's uh, the problem. And so what Fetke battled and won and what uh, uh, the young pediatrician in, in uh, Sweden fought and won and what uh, Tim Noakes fought and won was entirely discouraging to the, to the rest of the practitioners watching. And the message was loud and clear that unless you've got a lot of money and a lot of resources, you better be very careful about what you say. And that mm. can be true of sugar, of statins, of cholesterol, of vaccines, COVID in particular. Yeah, that one was just crazy, just out in the open. Still crazy. Uh, this is at, uh, by the way, this is at the CrossFit Games, um, I don't know, 2018, 19. You invited Fetke and, and others out to, to talk. Does Fetke have a book? Yeah, I think so. Uh, for anyone who's interested, it's a Gary, G-A-R-Y, a Fetke, F-E-T-T-K-E. The name of this lecture, it's on the CrossFit, uh, YouTube channel. It's called The Role of Nutrition in Everything. He's he's very uh, I don't know what the word is palatable. No no one should be. Uh, it, yeah, he's palatable. Look, his story's his story is pretty simple. Um, I I took off the toes, then the feet, then the legs of your grandfather. I took off the toes, then the feet, then the legs of your mother, and now we're taking off your toes. And and the problem with your diabetes is fueled by the sugar you're consuming. That was his sin. That's where he got into trouble. Imagine that. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, he was speaking outside of orthopedics and had no right to do so. And it put him in a pitched battle with enormous costs for his medical license. Fighting what? Nutritionists. And what else? Scholars from the U.S., of course, always. Uh, bought and paid for scholars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look up Research International Life Sciences Institute. Sounds good. It couldn't be. It couldn't be. It couldn't be uglier. Oh, so much shit like that. Yeah. Um. Uh. Totally different subject here, real quick. Uh. Greg, thoughts on um. Uh. Justin Berg. Before you answer that, uh. Or Justin got um. We don't know what happened. Um. But he's he's no longer with CrossFit. Uh. Budhole. I think that's uh on butthole coach glassman why did you hire justin berg i um, i didn't that was a you know i didn't that was that, that was below your pay grade yeah i want to i want to blame tony not blame <laughs> credit credit i want to give tony credit for yes. jb uh uh he's i wish i wish him well in his new endeavors yeah and I know he always wanted to do something in the golf world. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure we'll be seeing him on the golf channel soon. 
Uh, yep, yeah, fair. Uh, Jan Clark, these weekly uh, live lives with Greg are excellent. Well, good. Thank you. Well, don't. Thanks, be, Jan. We've only begun. We're only twenty-four minutes in. Jan, um, is that a play on board? Uh, I I think that's the guy's real name. I I'm kidding. Of course uh, he does. Uh, we're just uh, the, the, listen, listen, guys. I'm trying to get through the comments and uh, stay engaged with the boss man. Um, uh, you talk about work uh, bench, uh, Greg. You talk about workbench scientists. Workbench scientists. Can you define that for me, uh, Logan Mars? I don't know. I don't know that I did. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where I don't remember that either. I want to look that term up. Hold on. Is that a term? Workbench scientist. I don't ever remember using that either. Workbench scientist. I think I know what it is, though. What What is it? Let me see if I can find it. It's a, it's a guy who's uh, doing significant science in the garage. I mean, I think we'd have to say that Gregor Mendel was a workbench scientist. There's a, there was a guy from JPL, a rocket fuel guy that was having explosions going off in his neighborhood in Pasadena. There may have even been a documentary done on him. What does it say? That was that was something totally different. Oh, look at yeah. topless people at the White House. Uh, 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 all scientific research conducted at medical schools and teaching hospitals ultimately aims to improve health and ability. Basic science research, often called fundamental or bench uh, research. This is the wrong definition. This I. I mm. I've taken us down, down the wrong path. Uh, uh, bench uh, science is scientific research experimentation, usually conducted in a laboratory. Yep, yep. But I like, but I like, I like what you're saying. People who are doing significant work just in their own garage. I mean, I, 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 I think that's how. Um, the, bit, the, the fundamental engineering projects that come out of a place like a Hughes or Lytton, Raytheon, JPL, they have laboratories that are filtering up information that gets fed into kind of fundamental science in real time. Weekly, sometimes daily experiments that are being used to, to help to build hardware, to shape software, <clears throat> to alter, uh, alter the technology that's employed for whatever it is, imaging, radar systems, blah, blah, blah. Look, that's, Allison, that's, that's bench science. Allison again. She changed her picture. Uh, uh, Greg, I, I would like to apologize. Did you say mammograms cause cancer? My coffee maker was too loud. I'm saying that Peter Goche made the case very convincingly, mathematically, statistically, that uh, uh, annual mammograms for people under 50 does more harm than good women under 50 can i say women or do i have to say people you can say on this show you can still say women uh riley s yeah go shoot your boobs with radiation every year a mammogram is not shooting your boobs with radiation is it is it yeah it's an ionizing radiation I oh. but listen i look i'm not i'm not here to be an expert on uh on uh, uh radiation boobs or uh mammograms but uh I, I would endorse a read of Peter Gauthier's uh, book on mammography. It's a hard read. And I don't mean from the standpoint of, of technically difficult, it, though it is mildly challenging. Um, it's, it's, it's just shocking in the resistance to, to something that is so clearly shown. Uh, well, it's it's not even a, the first one that comes up on um 
on Amazon. <laughs> uh, David Weed, uh, does Greg have um, water, spicy water? Wow, you know my drink, David. Wow, spicy watermelon and uh, margaritas for breakfast. No, that's that's my drink. That is not. No, no that's not a <laughs> breakfast drink. That's not Greg. <laughs> uh, Trish, annual cancer screenings are another racket. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. Gilbert Welch, another guy who ran into some trouble. Um, he was a he's a PhD mathematician MD hired by NIH to make the case for uh, glaucoma. Uh, 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 what's the prostate one? Uh, prostate specific antibodies, PSA testing. Let's see, it was glaucoma. What's the guy's name? Uh, again, Greg? Colonoscopy, Gilbert Welch. Mm -hmm. And one at a time, he looks at these things and he comes to the conclusion that, man, all the advantage disappears and becomes negative once you start screening healthy people. That the false positive and the downsides of, of treatment for people who don't really need it um, clearly cause more harm than good. You could find this out over and over again with everything he tested. So he had to go. Oh, Gilbert he did have to? Go. Oh, from Harvard? Yeah, he ran it. Yep. Yep. Wow. He doesn't uh, think that he doesn't think that healthy people should be screened for things. The absent symptoms, you should stay away. A Dartmouth College investigation has concluded that Dr. H. Gilbert Gilbert Welch, one of the country's most prominent healthcare policy scholars, committed research misconduct. Oh, so now they're slamming him. That's what it looked like to me. Wow. And we did wow. a pretty deep dive on this, and it was like, you know, come on, it's not that's not really what happened here. It didn't seem fair. Yeah. Hey, it's funny to. But it's let me funny. tell you, you you pick anyone who has who has a problem, regardless of their background. You could have been eating out of the trough all along, but the first person that rears their head up and says that they have a problem with the with the delivery on a on some kind of care that's got a lot of dollars behind it or some kind of diet and you're going to have troubles in your life and there's no issues it's funny that they accuse him of plagiarism there's nothing wrong with um plagiarism even in the slightest when you compare it to things like the replication crisis right or corruption or falsification it's like I've got a huge problem with plagiarism. When I dug into the case, I don't want to pretend to remember it now because it's, mm -hmm. it's this kind of thing. It goes on in a lot of directions. Um, I was satisfied that he'd done nothing wrong. Oh, he had not even plagiarized. No, no, no. That's not what that was. Uh, Ethan, thank you. Thank you. And your girlfriend's hot. So there, take that. Take that. Appreciate that. Um, uh, g going back to, uh, I want to, I want to say something interesting about the Durham thing that I didn't know. J just some of the things that I uncovered yesterday. It was it, it, in 2016, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton's campaign paid to create this Russian dossier. This guy's testifying to that. And Jim Jordan said that, that they basically, her campaign made this thing up. 
and that the director of the FBI knew that it, this go, goes on in the testimony that happened yesterday. The director of the FBI knew that it was fake and didn't tell the investigators. So that I guess that there's a difference between the investigations that happened from I FBI. He, I think he told the president. He even told the president that he knew it was fake. Yes, who's, who in his notes, I think is my recollection, uh, he recalled that didn't, didn't have much interest in the subject. And that was Obama at the time. It, it, I, I think I'm recalling this correctly. But look, this is an old story at this point. Like, come on. Yes, I mean. I just couldn't believe the, the shit I was whole, hearing yesterday. The whole collusion thing was complete and utter bullshit. And we've known that for a long time now. They said that um, they said that they never investigated the person who brought the dossier, who is the guy who created it. The field office never uh, interviewed him. He was never even questioned. It's 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 crazy. It's this is this story is just absolutely nuts. How when they do you know anything about this? We're, so I'm sitting there in my garage watching the TV, watching Jim Jordan um, interview uh, special counsel Durham. What what happens after that? Does someone have to? Will any action get taken on that, or is it the whole thing is just a, a pony show? No idea. Yeah. No idea. My crystal ball is pretty cloudy. It's um, it's frustrating to see it out in the open and so clear, and yet nothing nothing happen happening. Have you been following the Hunter Biden stuff? Yeah, dude. Like from from years back. <laughs> You remember two Christmases ago, my gift for everyone was Hunter Biden laptop from hell. Yeah, actually ended up reading. And I read that. that thing, and I think you asked me, "Is it real?" And I said, "Without a doubt." And you asked me how I could tell it was real, and I said, "Look, if you told me Quentin Tarantino had written this, I would have told you that's bullshit." You know why? Because that brilliant writer can't write that brilliantly. Um, to to claim that you can't tell the difference between transcripts of real phone calls and real and, and, and real text messages and fake ones that were created by ham handed. And they are, it's always ham handed uh, Russian or Chinese disinformation um, it would be to not be able to see the difference between a documentary and, and video footage of a crowd scene. I mean, it's, you know, I'm sorry, documentary versus a, versus a film, an actor talking. Like the Blair Witch Project. I was thinking of exactly that. You, you don't have to be too discriminating to look at that and figure out what's real here and that it, that that is not. And it was remarkable in that effect. It's kind of like John Kramer being able to leave a message on his answering machine that sounds like him. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you just can't offer up a whole lot of that. That thing... That thing reeked of authenticity. It was tragic. And it was also abundantly clear that the old man's a crook. Abundantly clear. The big guy. Yes. Yeah. And you just read this going, holy cow. Wow. Wow. And so I hear after, I hear that my Christmas gift is Russian disinformation. Of course it's not. Of course that's bullshit. No, no, no thinking person with much life experience could read that and not see through that nonsense. 
And yet they got 50 people at the FBI security experts to testify that um, to, to sign a letter saying it was bullshit. And then two years later to say it's real. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy E. World, I'm still uh, I'm still really dumb, but I feel smarter when I listen to Glassman talk. Here's 10 bucks towards some salty margaritas. Well, thank you. You guys are sweet. Yeah. Um, the, the, did you, did you hear about the, the rapper, uh, Kodak, uh, is it Kodak, Kodak Black, who used his wrong, uh, used the wrong social security number, probably on purpose to purchase three guns. And he got three years in jail and that his lawyers have stepped up and been like, wait a second, you have a guy who lied saying he, uh, Hunter Biden and he gets off, but our client, uh, Kodak Black got three years in jail and then and then as i dug in more i guess trump i guess trump uh, um pardoned that guy did you follow that that bit of part of the story that's interesting yeah so trump pardoned that guy and uh his lawyers are like hey man what the fuck is going on uh, did you see the other thing by the way did you see his um interview with brett bear uh trump's no i didn't so there's this thing basically i can't i can't watch the guy trump yeah i'd rather watch biden for, for entertainment value? Uh-huh. But my favorite favorite is Kamala, hands down. Yeah, I think she is everyone's favorite. It's crazy, I would right? I would I would spend money to sit and listen to her on Venn diagrams alone for big money at, at uh Madison Square Gardens or something. She could just go on for two hours on Venn diagrams. Her stupidity is the world's best kept secret. And I don't know how the hell she does it. I can't figure that part out. Well, the president's uh, is at the mental capacity. I think his mental capacity is perfect, uh, per perfectly expressed in his choosing of her as vice president. Right? I, it's it's inconceivable. Would you ever run for office? Never. How come? I don't know. What if I won? No, I don't know. It's just it's not my. It's not my thing. Uh, Sevi, I have I have everything I could ever hope to have. I got it all. I'm healthy. I got a loving family. Ton of kids. Got a new grand grandkid. And, and what you House don't have lake, is on its way. The the, and the chalkboard's on its way. Yeah, everything yeah, you don't have is on its way. My chalkboard's coming. I'm I'm removing glass boards to put up chalkboards. That's how that's how comfortable I am. Uh, so John Clark. Life's good. It's Jonathan Clark, but Sevon would pronounce it with a Y, so I changed it. Oh yeah. So I think that's funny. I, I'm starting to vaguely remember that he used to have it written as Jonathan Clark, but because I saw he donated money in pounds, I would always call it change it to Yon. I was trying to be like sophisticated. So like a, a good a good guess. He um he accommodated accommodated my um uh, ignorance. Uh, Heidi Krum, uh, uh, boob expert, Greg Glassman. Everyone's, I'm a boob. Can I be a boob expert also? Uh, David, uh, unfortunately, most of medicine has been turned into a, a racket. Yeah, it's bad. Here's the problem. Is that what qualifies as science, the manner in which the social sciences practice, the... Uh, 
criteria for publication in peer-reviewed journals, that variant of science that has infected psychology, sociology, gender studies, I don't care, anything that uh, economics, all of the social sciences, the, the epistemic infection of science that is that methodology has been incorporated by medicine. And that looks like null hypothesis, significant testing, p-values, and publication in peer-reviewed journals, so the focus on high-impact journals as a substitute for, uh, 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 as, as to satisfy validation in the science. And in real science, in science that works, in science that will replicate, science that isn't infected, validation comes from the predictive strength of the models. And uh, medicine, academic medicine has gotten away from that. And that is the sin, that is the cost, that is the disaster. That's the crisis of the replication crisis. Something I invite everyone to just take a look at, just put replication crisis into Google and see what comes up. It's a remarkable story. But some of the worst impact of the fields of study is uh, academic uh, medicine in particular, uh, uh, in the most egregious instance, it's uh, hematology and oncology, preclinical uh, science, on which uh, uh, a whole bunch of clinical trials, randomized clinical trials were developed in trying to approve cancer drugs. And I mentioned this on your show before, I'm sure something that everyone can take a look at, but the Begley-Ellis uh, research that took a decade, spent a billion dollars funded by Amgen to look at, uh, look at these foundational studies and they, they, they don't work. It's not science. And that's what happens when you move away from validation coming from a hypothesis, becoming a theory based on its predictive strength and replacing that with the probability of the data against the null, assuming, assuming the null to be true, the null hypothesis, significant testing of academic science. And it, it might be the most boring subject in the world, but it also might be the most important thing in the world. Give me, so you keep referring to, to academic science, science. Give me, what's the distinction between that and other science? What are you talking about? Well, like the stuff they're doing at SpaceX is different. It's a different kind of science. And what's going on in uh, 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 hematology at uh, pick your university? And, and the the fact that you say a different kind of science that's a, that's a, that's um uh, facet- I don't know if facetious is the right word, but that's yeah, that's the no, poignant I mean, I mean, that's it, the poignant mark, right? There shouldn't be different kinds of science, is what you're saying. That's correct. It's correct. Yeah, we refer to we refer to it as modern science, the sciences practiced at SpaceX and Intel. Okay. Yeah. And and. Uh, in in almost all of technology where deliverables are critical and in that environment your theories have to have predictive strength to be legitimate they find validation solely through their predictive strength that's it and fact uh, method and uh and uh, validation are entirely independent whether it was dreamed or came from perspiration or inspiration the validation is solely the predictive strength of the model of the theory. That's how you get rockets to Mars. That's what makes your iPhone work. That's why we can do this broadcast here. And when drugs work, where they work, when research is done right, 
that's what you need. You need a you need a prediction of an observable, and the strength, the predictive strength of that model, is the validating factor for a science that works. Now you can replace that with something else. You can not talk at all about the predictive strength of a hypothesis. You can even even ignore your hypothesis, and in, and we see studies where it's hard to glean the hypothesis from what's delivered. But what we do see is an experiment conducted and some data generated that is then matched ad hoc arbitrarily to a, uh, a test statistic of your choosing, a p-value calculated, and you conduct your experiment until you get the p-value you want. And if it's less than 0.05 and you get the right journal to publish it, it's a go. And what has never happened in that process not once has as have you demonstrated the the novel prediction of an important observable. And if you want to make science that doesn't work, that's how you do it. And there, I don't. Yeah. Is there something in between? Is there something that bridges that gap? So so in, I think I've heard you use the word industrial science. Are you OK with me pointing to? Um, yeah. So you have industrial science, and then somewhere in the middle, you have you have like um, I don't know. Let's just call it uh, incomplete science, and then all, all the way on this other side, you have something that's called corrupt science. I, I feel like that there's something in between it, that it, that it's worse than the fact that it's academic science that it's it's poor procedure. It that it's fucking also corrupt. Yeah, the epistemic debasement. Once I say that that science is good, that science finds validation by having the right p-values and being published in this prestigious journal. Now that we all agree that this is the answer and we got the right p-values and we're in the right journal, that that's how we know it's good. Once that is your process, there's another corruption. That, that's a corruption. That's a corruption right there. To change the predictive strength of a, of a model as the determinant of validity to switch that with null hypothesis significance testing and uh, publication in esteemed magazines, the journals, once that switch has been made, that is an epistemic debasement. At that moment, the science becomes political and non-objective. We lose the rationale for trust in science. We lose the, 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 the driving force for replication. Huh. What you've done is you've gutted it. You've turned it from objective to political. There's a name for it. Things with things with the desired p-value, and and being published in the right journals, are are uh, uh, it's it's ripe. First of all, it's an epistemic debasement. We've destroyed the epistemology that makes modern science work, and that is a corruption, like a corrupted computer file. The next corruption that comes is ineluctable, and that's the guys over at Coca-Cola that realize that if all you have to do is get a good p-value and publish in the right magazines, we got this thing. It will, it will, it will not take us long at all to show that you, actually sugar is good for you and an important uh, nutrient. And, and that's built in, even though I don't understand it, uh, the p-value and the null hypothesis. What you're saying is, is those two things that are are the element of the corruption that is embedded in academic science. It's part of the, the process. 
the process that is null hypothesis significance testing NHST and it's 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 and it's p values that are part of that process that though the the uh, that delivers none of the certainty that is pre- widely presumed about p values none not only that but it can be manipulated easily readily routinely almost unavoidably and um, uh, and this isn't isolated incidences. This is uh, running rampant. When when people have deigned to spend the money and time to look into fields like oncology and hematology, and see what portion of it is uh, is uh, replicable. What was the number we did this before? I have to recreate. I think it was six of the three, so eleven yeah. something percent. Yeah, eleven percent of the now. I want to I want to confess something here. This is discussed in the literature talks about foundational bedrock. The truth is is that they went after these studies um, because they had based clinical trials on them that didn't work, and there's a bias there. They suspected they weren't any good anyways. They had once believed them to be foundational. They had believed them to be bedrock. And they also saw them at Amgen as opportunities to come up with cancer treatments that would that would be breathtaking, revolutionary, groundbreaking, right? That didn't work. And and Begley had enough experience in drug development to know that something was wrong. And so he went back to look at the assumptions on which they had dis- made the decision to undertake these these uh, randomized clinical trials. And a decade later, going through 53 studies, they found that there were that there were uh, uh, six of them that would replicate. I mean, yeah, you can't have a greater failing, and and I call that broken science. Okay? One journalist said, "If that ain't broken, what is?" Um, we we spoke recently at a college. And the students had problems with the term broken science. And I even got up at the start and I said, I'm not here to tell you science is broken. Science isn't broken, but there's a lot of broken science. A lot of it. And I named the specific fields and where you'd find it. It's found at the university, found in the social sciences, found in medicine. Yeah, I was at your house one time uh, when Seafried was uh, speaking in the kitchen. And there was an oncologist there that flipped out. I mean, flipped out. Flipped out, absolutely flipped out. On Facebook, not in my kitchen. Right, you're right, afterwards. Yes. Yeah, he was gracious, uh, a good guest, fun even, you know? So, so basically listening to Seafried, he finds out that 12 years of his education is, is, is misled. He, he, How does an oncologist process that? How does someone see that the, 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 only 11% of the 54 seminal studies in cancer are, are real, are valid. But you've been going to school for was, 12, 12 years. It was, you, it, was just... pre, it was preclinical science in oncology and hematology on which RCTs in, in uh, uh, chemotherapeutics, cancer chemotherapeutics were being, had been based and failed. Think of that. Think of, thinking, think of having a, a cancer under which you cross your fingers and enrolled in a clinical trial 
where it turned out there was actually no hope of anything ever working. Yeah, well, I wonder how people process that. I guess, and I guess that's why you become violent, but verbally. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's too hard to process. Everything you know is wrong. Yeah, it's not a good situation. Uh, Christine Young, uh, my sister had breast cancer, and I was told to stop getting mammograms. I get ultrasounds instead. Judy Reed, I'm 48. Uh, I've had only one mammogram. I didn't like getting my boobs smashed, uh, so I keep putting it off. We wouldn't make a good couple if you don't like getting your boobs smashed, Judy. Um, uh, Allison, I see you're welcome. I turned 40 last year and went all in on researching because mammo just felt off and wrong to me. Uh, Cornholio, 58, never had a colonoscopy and not getting one. I had, I had, that's where the guy puts his finger in your butt. I had that. Did not like that at all. That's not a colonoscopy. Oh, that's not okay. No, you know, we're going to have, uh, we're going to, there's a, there's a little bit of a kind of a Dr. Drew and, uh, uh, Adam, Adam, my buddy Adam thing with you and I. Good. I hope, I hope we're one colonoscopy is not when you get a finger up your butt. It's not, it's they shut 40 feet of tube or something. That's the camera. Yeah. And it was one of them. I, then I haven't had that. Uh, uh, Allison, Judy, does it hurt? My mom said it's no fun. Um, she doesn't do them often anymore either. I wonder, does your mom have giant boobs too, Allison? Those are those hereditary? Let's see. Um, there's someone down here who, oh, I'm so far behind. I apologize. Uh, Greg for president. Hi, guys. Natalie Bates. Oh, Natalie, what's up, girl? Nat, Justin, how are you guys? I got to meet Natalie at uh, Broken Science for the first time in Arizona. Um, uh, going back a little bit, uh, Mr. Souza, sorry, just started watching this and rewind to the beginning. I went to the engineering school with a lot of professors that graduated from West Point, and they always used uh, chalk, never dry erase. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Logan Mars. Okay, here we go. Uh, if you want a scientific education, is a strategy to find old texts on the fields? Is there a win window of time to buy old texts from to ensure large efficacy? Also thought uh, thoughts on Richard Feynman. Thank you, Logan. Logan, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, if I can, Seville, so jump in on that. Yeah, please. That's all you. That's a, he. They sure as fucking ain't asking. Yeah. Um, I can't say enough good things about E.T. Jane's uh, book. Let me grab this. Probability Theory, The Logic of Science. I think it's the most important thing written on science in... Uh, In a long, long time. Is there a cheap version? You. My God, it's expensive. Yeah, I, we may have caused some of that. Five-star review. It's really, really an important work. And uh, it's, not, it's not all his, um, but he developed this material uh, via lectures over a 35, 40-year distinguished career as a professor of physics, and it uh, culminates in a uh, 
probability theory that's a logical extension of uh, uh, you know, basics of of uh, of probability um, and uh, some Boolean algebra and some work by Cox and some uh, uh, contributions from Claude Shannon, but it's a it's a very very powerful methodology. You can read on it and jump to the kind of the end point and look at uh, uh, max entropy um, and research that. But uh, probability theory, as a uh, the logic of science, it gives a bedrock for science that speaks exactly to the things that we're talking about in the Broken Science Initiative and in my Broken Science work. What, what kind of background do you need to uh, consume this book? Is it heavy? Is it like you got to read the thing five times, a hundred times? Yes. It's dense like that? Yes. Is this guy hated? Is he part of the... Uh, is this guy hated? We've met physicists whose introduction to him was, uh, it was like back channels, you know, mimeograph pages passed around by, by graduate students. So it was certainly a subcurrent, but it's there no longer. Jane's is gone. He died in 98, but the maximum entropy conference is huge. And the contributions of, uh, 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 Bayesian-like methods and the methods of maximum entropy have proven fruitful in uh, in, uh, in genetics, in molecular biology, in uh, image processing. In fact, the guy that edited the book and threw it together, Brett Horst, um, also of George Washington University, St. Louis, is in the radiology department, and they've actually built software using these methods of maximum entropy and the and the probability theory, they've written software that can pass uh, 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 radiology exams, state boards in radiology, the thing that can read uh, MRIs or or uh, ultrasounds at a phenomenal rate with tremendous accuracy. It's interesting, but it's a very fruitful approach. But the significance of it is that. It, uh, it speaks so clearly to what science is, where validation comes from. And uh, uh, there's, a, there's a dispute in probability that finds resolution in Jane's work, and it has implications for all of science. So you're saying that if you can, if you can consume that book and own that book um, upstairs – it gives you the tools to call bullshit on stuff. I'm going to tell you, if, if as interested as Logan is on these things, and if you're, and if you really want scientific insights rather than, than Feynman, what I would do would be to recommend going through probability theory, the logic of science. And no matter what your talents are, there's a lot of material in there that is readily digestible. Um, there's fewer equations in this than any book in mathematics ever. For a complete understanding, there's some advanced math requirements. But um, I know uh, Emily, my partner at Broken Science, she's in love with chapter 16, I think it is, and it's almost entirely um, historical. But uh, 
And we I need to would, get her back on. I spoke to her the other day, and she was talking to me about stuff that she's got a great grasp too. We've both learned a lot over the past couple of years. Yeah, she's she's impressive. It's been nice to see. I found I found Jane's work by being a fan of David Stove's work, and I'd read uh, David Stove's three books that are just one book, The Popper and After. He's an Australian philosopher, and then I read his first book, which was uh, 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 Hume's uh, Inductive Skepticism, and then the last book, The Rationality of Induction. And uh, when I was done with them, and I took several readings of, 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 of each of those books, but when I was done, I was supremely influenced, and by the way, for full disclaimer, the Broken Science Initiative now owns the rights to that book. We picked it up. Oh, no shit. Yeah, it was becoming increasingly expensive and harder and harder to get. And it's better than that. It needs to be it needs to be read. And so we're going to make it available for free and then print something up that's a a little better quality uh, publication and offer it kind of at a break even price. But uh, when I was done with Stove, I was convinced that he was right that that uh, induction was rational, clearly so. You'd be mentally ill not to think so. That I didn't have a lot of trouble with. And I, and I also believe that science found its grounding, its, its basis, its logic in probability theory. I understood that, that I, that seemed likely. But I said to myself that it couldn't be true unless it were the case that if I then went over to the probability theory side of the world, to the math side of, of the universe, and dug in, I should be able to find someone in probability theory who understands what David Stove is saying about the grounding of science. And I ordered, uh, this is what, two and a half, three years ago, I went to Google Scholar and I got the common texts used in probability theory around the world and ordered them all. One of them, probability theory, the logic of science by the title itself sounded right. And I got my hands on it and it was exactly right. I found a a prominent physicist uh, of immense learning had been on the same journey. And I've spent now two years with this book and I am getting a little better with it every, every passing week. What's the book again, Greg? Uh, Probability theory, the logic of science. Right. Okay. 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 And what I've also done is made friends of people that were similarly, uh, uh, impacted by this work and that's not hard to do and so but you yeah and you have done that uh, you have your own book club I, i've never heard you use that word but i'll use it here you have your own and you've always been interested in that since i've known you about surrounding yourself with people who are interested in the same talk topics as you so you can talk about that stuff that's basically what you're saying right you've curated friends who are interested in um, pregnant lions right because you're interested in pregnant lions Read the reviews on probability theory at Amazon and and marvel at the the uh you ever found contacts through that by the way? I uh, like hunted someone yes. down, you heard their review and you hunted them down. <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. We'll come back to that. Okay, sorry, go back. Read the reviews. One of the reviews of Jane's work is written by a guy at 
uh, Duke University who testified for Harry McDougald in a Supreme Court case. Wow. Yeah, I was saying that this is the best thing ever written on science. Uh, don't worry. At some point, world? we'll talk about Harry McDougal. Everyone remember that name. Yeah, at, right. some, at some, that'll be another show. We'll talk about the for great sure. Harry McDougal, friend of Greg's. For sure, Harry and Dan, brothers McDougal. Yeah, yeah. Harry's brother owned but, uh, the, uh, I, but look at those reviews. There's only 116 reviews, and if the average review is even close to correct, why aren't there thousands of reviews? So it's a fascinating thing. But what we have seen. Over the course of time, I'll start with Navy gymnastics and tumbling. You could get a used copy of that thing for five or six bucks. And we put it on CrossFit.com and they said, you know, it's like 300 fucking dollars for one, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the trademark, the copyright had lapsed. It was in the public domain. Uh, and so we sent, we purchased one last really good mint copy and sent it off to have it dissected and photocopied and put it up as a pdf for the whole world to have and uh what's the name that of that with... book again what's the name of that book again navy gymnastics and tumbling i remember that it's so freaking good navy gymnastics and tumbling yeah it's available as a pdf from crossfit.com unless they took it off for some reason I'm, I'm, i found it's the second link i just found it uh yeah there it is wow wow it's taking forever to load Wow, crazy! Hey, when you sold the company, they, this is uh, this is just minutia talk, but this is um, this is one of the things they get to. Chris CrossFit Inc. Well, the whole this, world, right? no, no, nobody owns that. Oh, you set it free. Yeah. Crazy. Yep, that's in the public domain. I've just provided the PDF. God, so, 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 too, by the way. Wait, wait. So explain this to me again. So you're saying this is in the public domain. So what did CrossFit do? Oh, it bought. Okay. It we bought, bought it. we bought one of the $400 copies that hadn't been smudged up. Okay. And it got sacrificed. They took the razor blade to it, removed the binding. And then uh, expensive high res searchable PDF of the thing. Shit. So someone, someone could print this and, uh, and sell them. That's what public domain means. Yeah, right. Do anything you want with it. How did you find this book? Did I lose you? Yeah, I, like I'm, I'm at a loss. I have no idea. Oh, uh, no um, idea. you were getting a little choppy there too. I think maybe something's up with your internet. Uh oh. Hey, what about Feynman, Richard Feynman? You're being careful. Yeah, um, he didn't. He he came to the office and spoke, didn't he? Didn't you bring him? No, no. no. My father had had interaction with him um, at Hughes Aircraft Company. In fact, if you look at the history of Hughes Aircraft Company, you see the Feynman connection and Gelman and some others. But uh, uh, I, I I'm in no position to to say anything other than clearly a brilliant physicist. He got a Nobel Prize, right? Uh, Albert Einstein Award. Uh, it's a Nobel laureate. Is he okay? Wasn't it, Who was the Feynman that you brought around? There was a Feynman that you brought around. A uh, different one, yes. Okay. Was his name yeah. Richard also? 
yeah, this that that guy is a, a molecular biologist, and maybe okay. and maybe uh, endocrinologist. Okay, good. So I'm not going crazy. There was there was yeah, another Feynman. Yeah, different Feynman. No, th this Feynman. The, here's here's the here I, the best story I've heard about Feynman. Here we go. And I I don't even think I should tell who told it, but it's it's a uh, someone someone known to us in the uh, in the in the science of science community um, apologized for telling a Feynman story. And, and he says, but I'm going to do it anyways. And then the question was, well, what's a Feynman story? And a Feynman story is when I tell a story that makes it, makes it sound like everyone in the room is a fucking idiot except for me. And he says, those are, those are Richard Feynman stories. And uh, I know a lot of people who think that's really funny. So there, I said something nasty. I didn't want well, to. Well, hey, it it it's uh, it, I people who are uh, who are really smart. It's okay if they got a little bit of know it all in them. Yeah, I I would I would take a pass on reading Feynman's whether it's the Red Book or the Blue Book or whatever that or whatever that is, long forgotten. But I would jump into E.T. Jane's probability theory and do whatever I could to make myself acquainted with uh, the probability theory of Laplace. Um, this gets right into the origins of of uh, how the the meaning of probability, interpretations of probability. Um, uh, there's a debate that's been going on forever in the origins of uh, foundations of statistics, and a lot of this resolves favorably with Jane's work. And it would be worth whatever kind of chew it took to get there. That being said, and I, Emily probably clawing at the wall with fingernails right now but uh, we're going to develop some material to entree to this realizing what a tough chew it is oh good i love hearing that yeah it's got to be done um uh would it, they got a lot of things up their sleeve we got to get emily back on so she can talk about that uh, mickey d would a uh, robert f kennedy get your vote greg hey greg which one his dad is who um, is his dad Bobby Kennedy that was shot at the Ambassador Hotel, Senator Kennedy that was killed. Okay, the senator. Right? JFK's okay. Attorney General, kid brother. Uh, would you vote for him? Yes. You like him? Yeah, I'm biased. Um, he's been very nice to me. You know him? Yeah, we had a we had interaction on the sugar front. Okay. And uh, uh, he reached out and complimented me on my on my uh, standing up to big sugar and the cdc and you have a problem with old guys running for president this guy's not too old he's only it's, he's only 69 what's too, do you have a do you have a uh, thing do you have an issue with uh, is there an age you would set an age limit maybe not legally but for yourself like hey dude you're 76 chill no, it's it's easier than that. If you were if you were forty five and senile, I think you're too old. Okay. If you're lucid and and showing exquisite leadership, we've got to lean forward and listen carefully to what you're saying because your voice is frail. I'm still good with it. I'm concerned about who your VP is. But I've got I've got senile being backed by stupid. Is our current setup? Speaking of stupid, I do want to show you some video I have of the um, 
submersible. Uh, Dylan Dykes, I want to be a boob expert. Heidi Krum, uh, boob, boob novice, uh, not cool, but I'm open to more uh, studies. I'm always open to further study. Ethan Henning, off topic. There's nothing off topic. What are you talking about, Ethan? Uh, off topic, I heard on a previous podcast, uh, cancer being a metabolic disease. I agree, but got hung up the other day on childhood cancer. Oh, good, good, great question. question. Uh, thoughts on this? Yeah, that's a that's a, a an important consideration. Um, I would start with Travis Christopherson's "Tripping Over the Truth," awesome. and I would read that. I would read that very very quickly, and then I would jump into "Cancer as a Metabolic Disease" by Thomas Seafried, and that I would take very very slowly. And you're going to spend a lot of time looking words up, but conceptually, it's just it's just not that tough a chew. It's workable. It's workable. A whole lot of us have, and I think especially chapter eleven on metastasis is a would be my if I were to pull a chapter and give it away. Oh, look at this! Even look at even when I looked that book up, uh, look what it recommends: cancer is a metabolic disease down here. But uh, but this book, by the way, is so good. This is not just uh, this tripping over the truth. Isn't th th like everyone should just read this. Like this is um. Yeah, Throw it in there with a the Grisham novel or something. I don't know. This 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 tripping over the truth is it just a fun good book. Everyone should read this book. I'm telling you, this is a fun book. Tripping over the truth. Okay, go ahead, Greg. If this is a cancer as a metabolic disease, and uh, CrossFit, we had it translated into Chinese. No shit. Yeah. Well, t tell me your thoughts on that. Why did you do that? You wanted to infect the Chinese with this thought? I don't know. I mean. Look what we have. We've got something really what inspired important. that, Greg. You trans. You took this. What? Yeah. I vaguely remember that now. Yep. You took this uh, book. Who owns this book? Can you do that legally? Can you tr can you translate something? Is that Why? available? Is that available on Amazon? The Chinese version. I don't know. How many of those were printed? I don't remember the story. <laughs> I don't remember the story. Fair but I remember, I remember, I remember thinking it should be done and doing it through Leong and CrossFit funded it, and we sent it out to affiliates. We were all having the discussion about the book. I was putting stuff about it on the web, on the reg, having Seafried around regularly, right? Having debates with people on our own web property, on our own fucking front page about it. There's some pretty nasty exchanges in 2019, 2020 on this very subject on Seafreed. Basically what this guy is saying right here, I know you know this, but for the audience is if it's a metabolic disease and it takes years of eating sugar in order to corrupt the mitochondria and, and, and uh, how do kids get cancer? And I guess you could say there's different kinds of cancer. You could say it's passed down from parents, you know, but but the, but it there it is a valid question right how would a kid get cancer if he's if he's but and some of these kids aren't obese correct correct um steven flores what are greg thoughts on blackrock and o'keefe uh you he probably hasn't seen that uh, I'll they play outed the, the BlackRock guy that was uh, saying we rule the world, right? Oh, you did war's see it. Good for, My bad. For, yeah. Um, 
my thoughts on that this morning. I got Emily's hitting me up here with all the mammo mam- mammography information. She's a good dude. Uh, you get you bury yourself in it. I mean, look, you here's my challenge to you: investigate it. Look at what she's put together. Look at the numbers, and you're going to come to the same conclusions. That was a great experiment done in Portugal with uh, mammography. But what am I looking for here? Oh, James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe. Breaking news: BlackRock recruit recruiter. How do you know this stuff, Greg? This is I didn't even think you'd go here. Uh, BlackRock recruiter who decides people's fate spills info on companies' impact on the world. It's not the president uh, who's controlling the wallet of the president. You got 10K, you can buy a senator. War is a fucking good – war is really fucking good for business. I was sent that uh, last night at 10.54 p.m., and this morning at 6.43, I responded, sounds like the truth. Eisenhower's farewell address comes to mind. And I haven't mm. even clicked on it, I added. And uh, I can see just in the in the graphic here for that, that this is the realization of what Dwight Eisenhower on his way out the door warned us of. And what was he saying? Uh, it was basically, it was, it's always, it's always, it's always held up to, that question's usually answered as warnings of the industrial military complex. But fundamentally, he was concerned with government in league with industry on any front. That what would happen is that in short order, the uh, government aspect of it would be handmaiden to the industrial side. Uh, This is what I found with a quick search. um, and, And it sounds like you described it perfectly. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. And the, and the, Focus on industrial military is is overwrought in the summaries of that. If you actually listen to the thing, it was across all spheres. Did you did um oh here I'll uh, pick I'll give you another one. I'll give you one. It's uh it's uh, uh FDA and pharma. Right. Big problem. Uh Natalie Bates, so you must really think highly of someone like Gates playing scientist. Yeah, Nat, Nat's poking the bear. She knows exactly what I think of, <laughs> of Mr. Gates and his uh, his playing control. Did did someone tell me he admitted that he might have messed up on the COVID thing? Yeah, I just posted something about that on my Instagram. Yeah, well, we didn't. Now we know it. It, it really just hurts yeah. old people. Uh, do Greg and Sevy have the same chair? Yeah, the Greg ordered too many, and I went to his house one day, and he pointed <laughs> a giant box in his garage, and he goes, "You can have that." I didn't even ask what's so, in it. Okay, like that's... like a little rat and cheese. I grabbed it and threw it in my car, and came home and opened it, and I got a badass chair. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you something. It's the X chair, and it's a great chair. It's the only chair to have. And I, I saw by the way, the you ad. sounded like Trump right there. Take that as a compliment. You're like, yeah. it's a great chair. It's the, the X chair. chair. It's a great chair. Yeah. It's the only chair. <laughs> and uh, in full disclosure, who I think we're sponsored. So I bought one and it came and the upholstery was ripped. Mine's ripped? So, nope. Oh. So I called them 
and they apologized profusely and we made arrangements to put the the one back in its box and they were going to come get it and deliver another one so they came and got it and delivered another one and i put it out and work told them thank you and then i got another one and then another one they kept coming and i got tired of sending them back so i was like fuck it i'm like i'm not gonna this isn't my new part-time job sending back x chairs you know and so i gave sevy one a few people got them I was, I was I was I was happy happy to uh, collect. It's like Monopoly on the bank error. Stephen Flores uh, quoting me. Uh, I think this is a direct quote. I've never had a colonoscopy, but I've had a finger in my ass. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll I'll own it. I'll take it. Okay. There's something. A video. Oh, here we go. Uh, here we go. Uh, Heidi Kroom. How can I join Greg's book club? I can become a pregnant lion if needed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Heidi, I, I'll, um, I'll put you in touch with Greg. I'll put you in touch with Greg. He needs someone this, this, this woman has the greatest sense of humor, Greg. It's crazy. Um, okay. Uh, let me see. I want to bring up if there's no more qu questions down in here. Um, uh, and HQ can't even afford to translate anything, but here's Greg translating a random book he believes is important. I love it. So I was saying with the whole the whole CrossFit community is talking uh, about this book, and I've got thirty something affiliates in China that are like, we don't get it, you know. So uh, we had it done. It wasn't expensive. Uh, this is this is as crazy and funny as this this comment is. Sevon's therapist. What if cancer was all fake and chemo is what kills you? I do remember seeing during uh, when. When Seafried was around a lot, I do remember seeing studies that actually showed that it's the possibility. It's not the chemo that was actually saving the people's lives, but it was the fact that the people weren't eating. That it was the there were there were some studies that were like done in conjunction with fasting and chemo, and the fact that it was taking away people's appetites that may be saving them, not the chemo. I thought that was fucking a trip. Do you remember that? I do indeed. And the uh, urologist that inspired Longo to test uh, fasting prior to chemo um, and fasting alone and chemo alone and compare the results and tripping over the truth. That'd be a great start. Great entree to all of this. Yeah, it's fantastic. And there is a, um, there is a portion in the book now that uh, about kids who get cancer and they are um, chimney cleaners. Right, that's in that book, Greg. The boys that oh, are the, the chimp. Yeah. So there is yeah, a section in there with kids getting cancer. It, it, dude, I'm telling you, the book is good. Like, even if you don't care about cancer, you think it's going to be more. It's it's not like that at all. It's like an enjoyable. It's an it's <laughs> it's an enjoyable book, right? It's a fun book. It's like it's yeah. it's a good read. It's not a um, it's not a textbook. Uh, I, I like that. You know, there's people that don't even give a fuck about cancer. I don't want to learn anything about it. And you can deal with them. And I, I've got to somehow convince people that p-values are something you need to learn something about. Um, you guys have heard me ad nauseum about this. I'll, I'll, I'll bomb Greg with this, and you can throw him in the pile of crazies or not if you want. I, I'm curious to hear Greg's answer on this too. Uh, backwards arrow modern fitness. Hi, Greg. Sevon, you've had some great guests for social and medical issues lately. What do you guys think about all the uh, um, injections that they require for kids? Um, call them the 49ers injections here on the show as code word. I have a son on the way and I'm trying to figure out what to do in this area. I just want to say two things before Greg says uh, anything. 
read the book Dissolving Illusions, Dissolving Illusions, and read uh, The Moth and the Iron Lung. And then, and then just do some simple research. If you do like 15 to minutes to an hour worth of research, you, you will start uncovering some interesting things. Okay. Injections I've for got, kids at birth. I've got nine kids and the, uh, the list of, uh, of uh, recommended vaccinations has grown, what, three, four, five fold in the space of Blake, who's 33. And uh, my my youngest, who's uh, who's uh, three years old, the list has has gotten huge. But uh, my children have been uh, vaccinated inversely proportionate to their uh, to their uh, uh, or proportionate to their birth order. So uh, my my youngest is our least vaccinated. Um, would you do? I think they're asking. Would you? Would would you? Do you recommend it? Yeah, I'm. I'm saying I've got I've got reservations. Okay. Huge reservations. The COVID one, hell no. And now I know that the industry and our government will tell us any kind of lie they can to sell us vaccines. And so I feel I owe it to myself to go back and look at the rest of it now. Uh, my dad died of cancer earlier uh, this year. The medical system is an absolute joke and definitely led him in the wrong direction of treatment. Jessica Valenzuela, I watched my mom go through chemo when she had cancer and seeing her go through that. You would think she was on death's door. Now she's got to have monthly blood infusions as a uh, result. Uh, Sleeky, back arrow, modern fitness, don't do it. Go listen to the Joe Rogan RFK podcast and then start doing your own research. There was this – I saw this meme the other day. Would you, would you believe a, a doctors who were educated by pharma or would you believe a mom who just gave birth to the most precious and valuable thing that she'll ever guard in her life um, when it comes to getting those injections? And it's like you, you got to think very carefully about that statement. Do you, want, do you want to believe the moms who are doing the research to protect their kids or do you want to believe the doctors who are programmed by pharma? And I'm not saying that definitively one is right or wrong, but, but definitely look into it. It, the people doing the, the investigating aren't stupid. They're not emotional. Like they're really, they're, they want to protect their kids. Uh, my uh, Robbie Myers. Oh, sorry. That's what my uh, nephew did. He had an inoperable brain tumor, ate keto and starved the cancer and it abated, but eventually came back and took his life. Sorry to hear that. I, I would wonder Robbie, if he, if he, the tumor went away and then he went back to his normal eating. That's what I was guessing too. I'd be curious to know. May or may not have. Uh, Greg, how do you feel about the theory from Chris Palmer? I've heard Greg talk about this, by the way. Not Chris Palmer, but Greg's own thoughts on this. I wonder if he'll share them here. Uh, about mental health as a metabolic disease. Yeah, um, Dr. Michael Norton, right? Uh, uh Beyond Prozac came out in January of 95, I think. And he was a professor of psychiatry at UCLA. And he proposed a prostaglandin uh, uh, origin for uh, a list of mental illnesses that was two pages long in the first chapter of the book. And that one. 
and 96. Okay. Hey, so when, when the first time coffee. I went to your house in Prescott in 2008 or whatever, yeah. you had like a hundred books on your kitchen table in front of a, a, a glass board. And I remember seeing that book just as, in, as one of the books. Yeah. He says that the uh, most effective treatment for this, and it's a, it's, it's a crazy list of shit. I mean, it's kind of fun to just look this stuff up and thank God you don't have that. But uh, the list of, of uh, maladies, and it might even, if there's, a, if there's an intro in that book on Amazon there, you might even get to page eight or nine or 10 where the list is. But he says the most effective treatment to date has been the zoned diet as developed by Dr. Barry Sayers. And that is indeed proposing a metabolic uh, origin through prostaglandins of its omega-6 fatty acid metabolism flowchart, page uh, 123 of the zone book, the first zone book. And uh, you see how the, the prostaglandins, the eicosanoids are controlled by uh, uh, omega-6 fatty acid metabolism and the role of uh, omega-3s in shunting the production of eicosanoids, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, those prostaglandins uh, play a critical role in uh, mental health. So, yeah, I, I think I'm bought in on that one. Uh, uh, Sevon's therapist, have you been hit with uh, a flag on this video yet? I just checked for you. Yes, uh, this this video has already been flagged by YouTube. I will uh, request a review, <laughs> even though it's not done. Crazy. I know it's crazy. Every show. Claw, uh, warning, tinfoil, warning, incoming tinfoil hat theory. They've been pushing more and more vaccines on us to prepare us for a program of true manipulation by mRNA uh, vaccines. Um, uh, Robbie Myers, to answer your question, Greg, somewhat he went back to his diet. They used to eat uh, like trash and the family still does. Eric Utley, I've seen – I'm rushing through these because we're running out of time here. But don't worry, Greg. I, I think I've got Greg on the hook now. Let me ask you this, Greg, before uh, we go. You've been – you are uh, – critical is not the right word. Finicky? Finicky might not be the right word. I'll, you, I'll go with finicky. Um, you've been finicky you – hold, you hold which platforms that you present your work and yourself on – to a specific standard. I want to say high standard, but let's not be biased. Specific standard. And now you've come on uh, – you you started doing podcasts, and for some reason you're only doing this podcast. Do you like this platform? Do you like this? Um, I know we're friends, so there's that weird component, and then it's it's a, it's a podcast, so it, it, it's live, and then there's comments flying in from the side. What do you, what do you think about this medium uh, to, to interact on with the world after you, you – know, chilling for a couple of years and only interacting with um, people in person for the last couple of years. I'm enjoying myself. Uh, one of my, one of the things I like best that, that we did at CrossFit and it was near the end with the zoom calls, you know, I went, there was a several years where I'd hoped that I could eventually meet every affiliate. Then it became abundantly clear that that wasn't going to be possible, that it, that it wasn't just going to happen. I have to meet a new affiliate several a day. And then we start with the Zoom calls and it became conceivable again, that at least through a Zoom call, I could have the experience of, of speaking with everyone. And so I, I really enjoy that. And I'm a, I'm a social person. Um, but uh, I, I've, I never find myself looking at interaction on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, 
and listen to podcasts and wish I were there. It you don't happen. wish you were? No, it doesn't, it no, doesn't right. happen to you often. Right, it's right, not, right. Gee whiz, you know. You I are mean, social, but you're also uh, um, you also like your 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 own time. You have no issue being by yourself at all. You spend a lot of time by yourself, more than most people I know. But yeah, you are I very like, social too. It's interesting. I'm. Uh, you like I'm a quiet good, house. I'm immersed in study. Yeah. And I'm. It's 66 years old. I'm learning more and at a faster rate than I ever have before. And it's the the uh, desire at this point is pure. You know. There's no, there's no other endpoint other than just learning this material. Um, when I had Glenn Begley first on the phone before he came out from Australia, and that's the Begley Ellis, the guy from Amgen, director of research that found out that the uh, was able to demonstrate that only 11% of, uh, sorry, 6% of uh, chemotherapeutic uh, or pre-clinical science would replicate. I told him that I have an inordinate um, uh, affinity for this science that doesn't work, the corruption, both epistemically and the corruption um, financially. The thing we went through with the NSCA was fascinating to me, enjoyable to me. I, I enjoyed the learning. I liked what I learned about scientific misconduct. I liked that we got to hire as expert, the world's foremost authority on uh, 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 bioethics, uh, 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 my friend uh, uh, Javi Moram, and all of that was so fun. And I had Glenn on the phone and I said, it's like science porn or something. Like there's something wrong with me that I like this. And he laughed and said that if there is something wrong with me, he has it wrong with him too. And so there's, there's a cadre of people that are keenly interested in bad science and I'm one of them. And I, I feel I may owe something. There wouldn't be a CrossFit if it weren't for uh, my willingness in the training I had to say, hey, why don't we start measuring something? Why don't we define, if, if fitness is really important, why don't we define it? And as long as we're defining it, let's do it in a, in a manner that we can uh, uh, derive some data that we can do something with. And, and that hadn't been done in academia for reasons that I, I now understand well. And it, this is the problem. It's the same problem that we have in healthcare. And it's the same thing that, that's corrupted our public health so that we're doing stupid things like shutting down schools to stop a disease that's running through nursing homes where people have a three-month three life expectancy. Um, to no more, no, no more questions. No more, no, I have to go. I'm going to this gate park. Uh, do you think there was a darker purpose behind people calling for Greg selling the company because you were going after corporate healthcare systems? All right, guys, thank you. We will be back. Uh, I think I have Greg on the hook um, every week. I, I, we didn't even get to talk about the sub. I, Greg was saying some funny shit to me about the sub yesterday. Probably maybe it's good we didn't talk about it because it is, it is, he does acknowledge it's a tragedy. So I don't want to say it was all humor, but we were tripping on the sub. Um, I got a whole list of things we didn't get to. Uh, Greg, you'll be back on next week? I'll be back on. We'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll, about the sub. You can ask me if I mourn the the – Sub passing of the people on the sub, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, right. love you guys, love everyone. Um, uh, talk, you. To you, 
talk to you guys soon. Uh, bye-bye. Bye.